Good morning. This week is our final week of the Fruits of the Spirit series. I know you guys are sad, but we're going to finish at the beginning. So we're going to start strong, we're going to finish strong, and today I get the privilege of talking on the topic of love. Uh, I love a lot of things. My top seven things are God, my family, my friends, my dog Howie, my job, my recliner, and food. Now you know me. But you'll notice food in the recliner made the list, but fitness in the Tough Mudder didn't make the list because that's more of a love-hate relationship. So you guys get the struggle. Uh, Love is funny and unique because it's simple to say, complicated to define, and difficult at times to mean. It's thought of kind of as the stronger version of the word like. For example, Facebook gives us the opportunity to thumbs up and like something, or we can heart it and love it. Uh, But here's my question. Can you like someone and not love them? Can you love someone and not like them? It's pretty deep, right? Got your mental creativity going this morning. While love is one of the fruits of the Spirit, it's so much more. Uh, I say I love a lot of things, but as I prepared this morning's message, I was forced to rethink the word love and how I use it. I have said on many occasions I love macaroni and cheese, I love oatmeal, uh, Potbelly's oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. When I was a kid, I loved baseball cards. I'll be honest, I haven't thought about baseball cards in decades. Mine are sitting in a box in a basement collecting dust, just disposable thoughts forgotten. If that's love, then I have been treating my family and friends all wrong all this time. I would say maybe a better word to use is infatuation, which means an intense but short-lived passion or admiration for someone or something. I got a yep out there? All right, cool. It's not an amen, but I'll take a yep. I have also said that I love my wife. Hopefully not like I love my baseball cards, because otherwise she'd be wrapped in rubber bands laying in a shoebox in the basement. You guys are getting where I'm going this morning, don't you? In regards to the fruits of the Spirit, we want to make sure that we get an accurate picture of what Paul is saying in Galatians 5 and a clear agenda of what we need to be doing with love. 1 John chapter 4, starting with verse 7, says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. So let's get right into it. Where does love come from? John says it comes from God. But then he takes it one step further and he says God is love. So this should force us to pause and take a step back and reflect on how we use that word love. We throw it everywhere, but if God is love, are we doing that word justice? Uh, Did I ever tell you guys about the first time I told my wife I loved her? Some of you? Some of you? Yeah. Well, it was about a week ago. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we were, we were dating and things were going good, and I was, uh, I was feeling the feelings, you know? Your heart starts growing a little bit. And based on past relationships, uh, that word love had kind of become diluted. We used it too often, too much improperly. And I made a deal with myself not to abuse that word anymore. Uh, I remember a buddy of mine, he was dating a girl kind of around the same time, and she would say, I love you. But his response wasn't, I love you too. His response was, I love you. 
he would drop off the two because putting the two in there sounded too cliche. He wanted to be his own man. I'm saying I love you. Um, But I didn't want to be like that. So what I did was I took my feelings. This is weird. I took my feelings to God and to the Bible. And I spent some time on that word. And, of course, I was taken to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Boy, this is a crazy word. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. That's an epic word. So getting back to what John tells us, John tells us that God is love. So if God is love, then this holds true that God is patient. He's kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. God doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and God never fails. How many of you guys want to brag about God right now? That's a loaded God, right? So now thinking about all that, the next time you say, I love you to somebody, your mind should have all those things firing. It's like, ooh, do I really mean this word? Let's be polite. Let's just say, hey, I infatuate you. (laughs) For this moment, I'm really fond of you. Um, But what can we boil it all down to is love is not a feeling or an emotion, but a promise to attempt to display the characteristics of God to someone. So back to my wife, Danielle, who's running the slides this morning. Everybody say hi, Danielle. (laughs) Um, So back to her. With this info, everything should be easy peasy, right? I love my beautiful, funny, smart girlfriend, so it should be no problem to say I love you. Uh, So the day came, I told her I loved her, and her response was so good. Um, She had been burned in the past with the word love, and that's totally fine. This has happened to a lot of people. Uh, But her response was so classic. I said, I love you, and she goes, how do you know? So, yeah. This is such a good story. I wish it wasn't mine because I would be like applauding too. Um, <laughs> so good. How do you know? Uh, so at this point, most guys would be hitting the panic button, right? How many of you guys would be freaking out at this moment? Like, I didn't study for this test. Um, <laughs> But, but not me. I'll be honest. I loved her answer because I didn't want the cliche answer. I didn't want the I love you too right off the bat because this was a big deal for me. I wasn't, I wasn't playing games anymore. And what else was really cool is I was ready with the answer. How excited are you when you're ready with the answer? You're like, yeah, ask me that question again. <laughs> but why I was ready was because I spent time with God preparing because this is a big deal. So I told her that it meant I was going to do my best to commit to praying those, that uh, those godly characteristics would be evident in our relationship, that I was bringing this to God and I was committing to her that I'm going to do my best, okay? And coming into it, I knew I was going to fail, uh, and I have on more than one occasion, but this is what I do is I go back to the founder and the source of love for guidance, for help, for direction, so that I can keep that promise. And this Tuesday will be our 14th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Yep. And I'll tell you what, I'm still working on that promise every day. It's not something that I can just file away. I have to keep it at the front of my mind. If I'm going to say I love, 
then I got to look at the list and I got to work at it. As I've gotten older, I've become more aware of the power and the importance of love. Uh, a few months ago, we went to a seminar on human trafficking and they discussed some of the ways that people could get pulled into such a dark world. And on the outside, we say, man, how could anybody end up in such a horrible situation? And the, what happens is they target someone that is looking for a home or for a family or a place to belong or acceptance. And what they do is they offer hope, they offer love, and they offer a future. It's a well-disguised lie wrapped in a pretty package. I was reminded of how vitally important it is to make sure that my kids know how much I love them. During this, I discovered a side of love that I hadn't really thought of before. Uh, saying I love you to a loved one and showing them you mean it, that's awesome, right? That's, that's just a good experience. You love somebody, say, hey, I love you, and I'm going you know, to show it. And then when somebody reciprocates that back to you, that's a great feeling too, right? That's amazing. It's like, oh, man, they love me. But what I recently discovered is the feeling of when somebody else knows that I love them. Okay, it's, it's, it's a little weird. Um, when my dad was alive and his health was bad, his number one concern, every time we'd go to the hospital for a visit, his number one concern was that I knew how much he loved me. And he would ask me every single time, you know how much I love you, right? I can guarantee that every time we would, I'd be in there with him, didn't matter how many machines were hooked up to him, how hard it was for him to talk, that was going to come out of his mouth every time. And the reason was is he didn't want to leave this life without knowing I knew how much he loved me. Uh, my eyes were recently opened to this new idea twice recently. Uh, once, a friend and I, we were, we were joking around about getting into a fight and how weird it would be. You guys have that friend where you're like, you never fight. It's just super easy to be friends with him. Jerome shaking his head no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jerome. It's a neat feeling. Um, <laughs> but we were just joking around about how weird it would be to get in a fight, and they mentioned something along the lines of, it would be weird because I know how much you love me. You know, this is just a friend. And for them to say that, I was like, wow. Have you ever had somebody say those words to you? It, it's, it's overwhelming. But that phrase wrecked me kind of in a good way. It was like, oh, all right. And it happened again with my daughter, of all people. This one, oh, boy, you want to see a big guy cry. I love hearing her say that she loves me. That's super important to me. But when she told me she knew how much I loved her, I wanted to explode. I was like, I'm done. Take me now, Jesus. I'm good. You know, that was just one of those feelings where you're like, what? You do? Because I, I try, and it's getting across. This is fantastic. It means that my actions are backing up my words. And I got to thinking, is this it, God? Is this what you feel when we accept your son, Jesus, and recognize his love and his sacrifice? Is that what you're feeling up there? Because, man... <laughs> blows my mind. Now I get why my dad would ask every time if, he, if I knew that he loved me. He wanted to make sure that his actions backed up his words. I also understand a little better why God wants us to work so hard at sharing him and his unconditional, undeserved love, because love is powerful, it's protective, and it doesn't fail. Those are three things that are really hard to find in our world right now. So maybe this is a dumb moment for you, and you're thinking, I can't believe he's just now getting this. It's okay. I still love you. <laughs> but this is the three sides of love coming into view. Giving love, being loved back, 
and acknowledging and accepting love. And for me, this is a big win. But let's be honest, it's just the start. I got lots of pages left, so don't worry. Um, I want to borrow a popular phrase for a minute, love wins. It's a loaded statement. Don't worry, we're just borrowing it. Don't get all worked up. We'll put it back when we're done. What, what would the world look like if the biblical definition of love won? What if patience, kindness, selflessness, protectiveness, hopefulness, and the other characteristics of love became the pillars of our society? Think about it just for a little bit. What would the impact be? What would your job be like if everybody there genuinely loved each other according to 1 Corinthians 13? My job is like that. I don't know about yours. I may have mentioned this story before, but I think it's worth repeating. Matthew Barnett, he's a pastor in a church in a rough part of Los Angeles, and their church is surrounded by uh, crack dealers and prostitutes, and he decided the only way to break into their lives was to put together a crew of passionate believers and to go into their community and start serving their community and sharing God's love. So they armed themselves with tools and cleaning supplies, and they walked from door to door asking how they could serve the people. And even though most people were standoffish at first, which is understandable, they told them that they would return. And that's a really important promise to keep. So they did. Every Saturday, they would come back, and slowly, people started to realize that there was no strings attached. And they started developing friendships, and through their efforts, They've seen hundreds of people saved and hundreds of lives changed. That's messy. They literally had to inconvenience themselves and go out and get their hands dirty. But that's love. Love isn't a mushy feeling. Showing my wife and kids and friends love doesn't put me up for an award. These guys going door to door and serving strangers and sharing Christ through selfless action is what I picture when I think of love winning. 1 John 4, uh, verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that, he, that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. I like what John is getting at in this verse. He relates back to the sacrifice of Christ. That's a whole nother level of love. It's not soft. It's not cuddly. It's not warm. This verse points strongly at love for the undeserving. God loved the undeserving, and that's great because that's us. We're not the ones that determine who's deserving of love and who's not deserving. That's, that's God's choice. I heard a guy tell a story about uh, filling up his gas cans at the gas station, and this guy came up to him and asked for help. He asked if he could uh, fill up his gas tank, and the man told him, yeah, I'll go inside, and I'll, I'll pay for your gas, and I'll be right back. So he, he went in and, went and paid for it, and when he came out, he caught the man stealing his gas cans. What kind of world? So naturally, he was mad. And his first inclination was to get justice. You know, I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to beat him up. You know, whatever. But God stepped in and told him to respond differently. And let's be honest. Most of us, it would take God stepping in and telling us to respond differently, right? You can amen that. That's a big one. Yeah, we're going to need God's intervention here. Uh, he asked the man, you know, what's going on? What are you doing here? 
And then he did something completely crazy. He took his cans back, but he continued to fill the man's gas tank as he had promised. And he took that opportunity to share and show Christ's love. The point was that God called the man to do something nice for the other guy, and that act of kindness was not based on whether or not the other man deserved it. That's a tough one. That's a big one. So while the other guy was stupid, he was wrong, he was rude, this, the first guy was still called to show love. Mark 12, 30 through 31 gives us the command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second command is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. Does that one sound a little bit familiar? Dan said it a little bit earlier, so I hope it did. Okay, good. Most of us have a love rating system. Love the good and the lovable the most, and the leftovers can go to the rest, right? But we all know better than that. That's not at all the way Christ did it. He gave sacrificial love across the board to his friends, to strangers, and enemies. Uh, I want to read to you Luke 6.27. This is, it's a little bit long, um, but this is one to take home for us and meditate because he really breaks it down here. This is, this is a challenging verse. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those that mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything in back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Again, that was... Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 27. Man, that's a loaded verse. I don't like that verse. I don't like those series of verses. I would like to pull those out. That doesn't seem right. But if Jesus is the one that's telling us this, he's got it figured out long before we existed. So I think that's something we need to take to heart. And if we implement living like that, maybe the world will see him a little bit better. Okay, sounds good. Uh, this type of love is the most useful, is one of the most useful tools for the kingdom of God. Uh, Ravi Zacharias is a famous Christian apologist, and I'm going to share a quote that he said, but I want you to understand, if you don't know who Ravi is, this guy is on, he's on the forefront of ministry. This guy is just rock solid. He's, he knows his stuff, but he also has an incredible heart for the lost, and he his life's mission is ministering and leading people to Christ. He said virtually every Muslim who has come to know Christ has done so first because of the love of Christ expressed through a Christian and second because of a vision, dream, or other supernatural intervention. Do you see the order? Our expression of Christ's love is up there with God's supernatural intervention. That's 
pretty big if you ask me. That means we got something to do. That means what we do is up there with God's intervention. So this is, this is a big one. Take that home. Write that on something. Um, genuine love is powerful. It's not always pretty. It's not always easy, but it's powerful, and it brings change. If you're like me, you've probably got a jam-packed summer, right? Um, got it all planned out. Got vacations. Got cookouts, graduation parties. But have you made any spiritual plans? Okay? That one hit me like a ton of bricks, so I'm not, like, picking on anybody. That was one that came at me hard. Uh, our mission at the well is to worship, connect, and serve. You see it all over the place. we got it written on things. Have you looked at your summer and planned to worship God or to connect with your community or, most importantly, to serve those in need and show God's love? Have you made that plan? Is that on your agenda? Uh, to wrap up, I want to look at a couple of Christ's examples of loving in these three three ways. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. But if you read this whole chapter and you see what Jesus is doing, he's been doing miracles all day, healing people, uh, driving out demons. He has been at it all day long, late into the evening, and then he still gets up in the morning because he wanted to get up and spend time loving the Father in worship in his own personal intimate prayer time. And the reason I bring that up to you because that is valuable, that we love God first. Jesus was willing to get up early to spend time with God. Jesus is equal with the Father, and he's still doing that. How much more should we? But if that's something that interests you, like you're thinking, man, maybe I should pray a little bit more. June 15th, in this building, we are having a prayer night. June 15th, in this building. What time, Rachel? She knows. So 7 o'clock, come on out. It's just going to be a time for us to get together and love on God in a time of prayer. Uh, The next one is connect. Jesus made an effort to, to friend the friendless. In Mark chapter 1, verse 41, Jesus physically reached out his universe-creating hand and touched a leper. You ever think about that? That's the hand that created all of existence. And he reaches out and he touches this guy who hasn't been touched by a human in who knows how long. Jesus was willing to go that distance to love the unlovable. In John chapter 4, it talks about Jesus and the Samaritan woman. She was shunned. She was an outcast. And he loved her enough to have an open conversation with her about what she was doing wrong. He came to her and he said, I love you, but you need to change these things. And it changed her life. It freed her from the life she was living. Connection is so important. One of my favorite real-life examples is Jerome and Donna, when they first started attending the church, something really cool that they did, they just invited people over for dinner just to get to know them, just to connect. No strings attached. We want to make a meal for you. I want to love on you guys. And this was people they barely knew. It wasn't lifelong friends. It was their attempt to get to know people and to share God's love. And, man, nothing makes friends faster than feeding somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, But last is to serve. And this one, this is the heavy one, okay? John 13. Jesus grabbed a towel and a wash basin so he could clean the feet of the men that he knew were about to abandon him and the feet of the man that he knew was about to betray him over to death. This summer, let's look for two opportunities to serve, one inside the church and one outside the church, okay? This is, this is where we, this is our spiritual house. Let's take care of it. Let's look for opportunities to serve here. But then let's not just stay huddled up in here. You know, God's given us something great to take to the world. Let's make sure we get outside and we do something with that.
Um, inside the church, there's all kinds of opportunities from cleaning the church, the cafe ministry, tech ministry. You name it, we got it. You could ask any of the leaders for advice on where to, where to plug in for that. Um, outside the church, as always, there's Feed My Starving Children. There's Shalom Center. Those are just two off the top of my head. But there's stuff going on all the time this summer. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. But most importantly, we need to pray about it and ask God the direction we need to invest our efforts to show his love to make the greatest impact.